With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Hi, welcome to Herd Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. So glad you're joining us. We try to do what we always do here. We're going to turn down the noise of the news cycle, try to talk about the things that matter. We're not going to waste too much time on the things that don't. Help us discern the times we live in, because that's really the important part. And boy, did we have a noisy, ugly story uh, coming along. We have another airline problem, folks. This time it was a nationwide ground stop. Now, uh, you know, I write at ordinary-times.com. I get to be the managing editor. That just means I'm the chief cat herder, basically. But we're blessed to have really good people like David Thornton. Uh, that's Captain Kudzu. He writes under Pilot Pundit. He's also written over a couple different places. Um, the Racket News site, which is excellent. But David uh, got the day off because he's a pilot. So he's the perfect person to explain what exactly happened in this recent thing. Now, this is different than the Southwest Airlines thing we've been covering. But both the Southwest Airlines thing, which is more company driven than system driven. And this has some lessons that we need to draw from it because there is some major underlying issues in the aviation system in America. And people don't want to talk about it until something breaks and we end up talking about the wrong thing. And then we don't actually fix what broke. So let's listen to David Thornton here. I'm going to read from ordinary-times.com. We will link to the whole piece. But again, he's supposed to have been flying that day. So he's the perfect pl- person to explain this to it. Quoting, I didn't think I'd have a chance to write today. I was supposed to be flying. I got to the airport early this morning and we prepped the airplane. And as our normal procedure, I contacted local air traffic control and picked our departure clearance prior to the arrival of the passengers. So far, so good. When the passengers arrived, we started the engines, taxied out, only to find ourselves victim to today's nationwide ground stop. This is, of course, written on Wednesday. Right after you called, the controller told us we got a message that said there's a total nationwide ground stop. I haven't seen anything like this in 20 years. Those are quotes. He went on to say that there would be an update at 930 local time a.m about two hours away at that point, but that he didn't know if flights would be released then or if the ground stop would be extended. Or if the ground stop would be extended. We returned to our hangar and discussed the situation with our passengers. As part of a corporate flight department, our passengers often have somewhat flexible schedules and ours ended up canceling the trip for the day, but airline schedules have been thrown into chaos. It makes take the rest of the day for the airlines to catch up. So what happens? Ground stop is just what it sounds like. Air traffic control holds all the aircraft, particularly flights on instrument flight plans, on the ground rather than letting them take off. Airlines and corporate jet users use IFR, instrument flight rules, and flight plans almost exclusively even when the weather is nice because they allow for more effective handling through controlled airspace and are required for flights over 18,000 feet. Again, I'm reading David Thornton's piece in Ordinary-Times.com here. Local ground stops are not uncommon. In most cases, they're related to a weather issue that might temporarily cause airports to be unable to accept arrivals or departure. Sometimes they're an excessive volume of aircraft. This can happen during special events and isn't unusual for Florida in the winter when a lot of airplanes are committed for a limited amount of airspace. Today's ground stop was a national one, however. That is extremely rare. In fact, the only nationwide ground stop that I'd ever heard of was following September 11th. The ground stop was reportedly caused by problems with the FAA computer that processes the NOTAMs. Now, the NOTAMs, that's an acronym, N-O-T-A-M, is a term for Notice to Air Missions, formerly Notices to Airmen, but a few years ago, the Biden administration changed it to the general neutral term, so it would sound a little better. NOTAMs are notices that could affect a flight. These range from notification about runway closures to alerts about cranes, the big mechanical ones, not the birds, in the vicinity of airports to outages of lights on the obstructions and so on. Pilots are required to check the NOTAMs before the flight to determine whether any of these notifications would affect the safety of their flight. Although we were unable to see the NOTAMs that pertain to our flight this morning, the FAA apparently decided to shut down flights nationwide out of abundance of caution. The failure of the computer may have prevented NOTAMs from being disseminated to some sources, but it definitely prevented new NOTAMs from being issued. This could affect the safety of some flights. Although there was some speculation that the outage might have been due to hackers, the White House said there's no evidence of a problem was related to cyber attack. It's more likely the problem is relative of the antiquated computer systems or a software bug. Similar problems have caused flight delays in the past, but not on a nationwide scale. The irony is the vast majority of NOTAMs are viewed as a nuisance items by most pilots. Large airports, the sheer no- number of NOTAMs 
can be overwhelming, and most of these items are required to be listed by the FAA bureaucracy, but don't really affect the majority of flights. For example, a large metropolitan airport can have pages upon pages of notums for items like cranes and lights on towers that are out of service. These nuisance notums can be so numerous that it can be easy to miss important news like runway closures and temporary flight restrictions that pop up quickly in a post-9-11 world. Back in 2010, Senator James Einhoff of Oklahoma got into trouble related to the antiquated NOTAM system. Einhoff, who just left office last week, was also a pilot, and after a flight to Cameron County, Texas, Einhoff landed on a closed runway, frightening several airport employees who were working on the runway at the time. He either did not check the NOTAMs prior to his flight or didn't check them closely enough. Einhoff introduced a bill to update the NOTAM system. After the incident, all the big yellow X on the runway should have been a clue that maybe you shouldn't land there. But nevertheless, 13 years later, we're still having similar problems. Today's computer outage was a tremendous inconvenience across the country, but it masks a more serious and systematic problem with the NOTAM system. Even though the computers are back online, pilots are still inundated with reams of mostly useless information about every flight, but that information still has to be carefully checked to find the nuggets of critical safety information and the mounds of worthless garbage that the notifications that read. And he gives an example here. So thanks to the FAA, I got the day off, but I'll have to get up early tomorrow to salvage the back end of the trip that was supposed to start today. At least I'll be able to rest assured that if somebody suddenly erects a crane along the runway, I will know about it. That's David Thornton writing at Ordinary-Times.com. David's a freelance writer and a professional pilot uh, out of Florida. He writes frequently with Ordinary Times and also Racket News, which you need to check out. That's on a sub stack now, and we will link to this full piece. Long story short, and the thing to take from this is a couple things. One is an abundance of caution, no matter how annoying it is, is probably the right call. But this is once again a symptom, not an illness. The NOTAM system is just one example throughout the FAA and frankly throughout wider government that there's systems that need to be updated. There's things that need to be dealt with on an infrastructure level that are not being dealt with. Now, they've done some work on NOTAMs in the system for them as recently as the last few years. But obviously something didn't work. They need to find out why. Always, always in situations like this. What's our core principle here on Herd Tale? Things don't happen in a vacuum. They happen in a sequence. There was a sequence of events that led to this system going down and all these flights getting canceled. You need to look at the full thing, not just buzzwords from the White House or the transportation secretary or the airline companies. They need to actually fix the problems. We should pay attention to them, not just when they pop up in the headlines. More hotel right after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, welcome back to Hertel. Okay, here's going to be a fun one. We got to make sure we parse this one out a little bit. NBC News. This is reported elsewhere. We're just going to use the NBC report. Aides to President Joe Biden have discovered at least one additional batch of classified documents in a location separate from the Washington office he used after leaving the Obama administration, according to a person familiar with the matter. Since November, after the discovery of the documents with classified markings in his former office, 
Biden aides have been searching for additional classified materials that may be in other locations used, said the source who spoke on the condition of anonymity to provide details about the ongoing inquiry. The White House did not return a request for comment. Justice Department also had no comment. The initial discovery of classified documents in an office used by Biden after his vice presidency was first reported on Monday by CBS News. The classification level number and precise location of the additional documents was not immediately clear. It was also not immediately clear when the additional documents were discovered and if the search for any other classified materials Biden may have from the Obama administration is complete. Biden aides have been shifting through the documents stored at locations beyond his former Washington office to determine if there are any other classified documents that may need to be turned over to the National Archives and reviewed by the Justice Department, the person familiar with the matter said. The search was described as extensive with the goals of getting a full accounting of all classified documents that may have inadvertently been packed in boxes when Biden cleared out of the vice president's office in 2017. The White House on Monday issued a statement confirming that a, quote, small number of documents with classified markings that appeared to be from the Obama administration have been found at a Washington think tank tied to Biden on November the 2nd. That's before the election for those of you scoring from home. Funny it wasn't reported yet. The documents were discovered in a locked closet by Biden's attorneys while they were prepared to vacate office space at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Richard Sauber, a special counsel for the president, said the University of Pennsylvania had leased a suite of offices for the center in February 2018, including one for the then private citizen Biden's personal use when he was in Washington. Biden told reporters he was, quote, surprised by the discovery. Of course, he was. And that he didn't know what was in the documents. The chair and vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee have written the director of national intelligence Avril Haynes, asking for access to the classified documents, a damage assessment, and a briefing on both the Biden and Trump documents, three congressional staffers said. This request is similar to how the committee responded for information after the raid at Mar-a-Lago from President Donald Trump's resort in Florida, the staffer said. Sauber said Biden's lawyers immediately reached out to National Archives about the fine, and the agency took control of the documents the next day. Two sources familiar with the matter said less than a dozen documents with classified markings were found in the office. The archives referred the matter to the Justice Department. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland has asked John R. Losh, I hope I'm saying that right, U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, and a holdover Trump appointee to review the classified material, ended up in the closet, according to familiar uh, matter, told NBC News Monday. We're cooperating fully, Biden said. Trump, of course, possessed over 100 documents with classified markings, despite having been subpoenaed for their return as subject to a federal criminal investigation by the Justice Department. Trump has repeatedly mocked Biden over the finding of his true social account while suggesting he'd been unfairly targeted by federal investigation investigators, despite the very different fact sets between the Biden's case. A giant scam, former President Trump wrote. OK, here's the thing. This should be an easy story for us to parse out. Why should it be easy? Remember, I said should. Now, we don't live in should world. We live in real world. But in should world, these stories have a very similar base alloy. Something that was not supposed to happen, happened. Find out what it was, hold people accountable, and move along. Now, that's should world. Now, here in real world, what happens is, well, Trump did it, and now Biden did it. So now we're going to compare and contrast the two and argue who's worse and blah, 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 blah. Now, they're just both wrong. Handling classified documents is a well-detailed thing. That everybody that handles classified documents has to be trained on, sworn to, and write file out documents saying, yes, I know how to handle classified documents. The idea that anybody accidentally keeps classified documents, yes, it does happen, but yes, you need to have accountability for it. Now, you can have an argument about the fact that we overclassify way too much stuff. That's probably true. We could argue about why people leaving office need any documentation whatsoever. We could argue about that too. If you want to talk about the level of bad and wrong, between what Trump did and Biden did, you can, but it doesn't really matter. Now, I know that's going to make a lot of people mad, but both are wrong. Part of being a leader, whether you're a vice president, a president, or a former president, or a sitting president, you're in charge of stuff. That means you're in charge of your staff, which means you're responsible for what your staff does with these documents. Obviously, neither one of these men handled these documents. Their staffs did. Do they create a culture where it's responsible and accountable? Now, the Biden folks say they turned this over pretty quickly and followed the rules once it was discovered and searched for more. Yes, the Trump thing's a little different because they had to go down there and physically get them back after spending quite a bit of time trying to get them from the Trump folks. But below all this, this should be an easy story to cover because you should be able to just go, oh, what Biden did was wrong. We need to find out what happened and hold the people accountable, accountable. And what Trump did was wrong. We should hold people accountable, accountable. 
But again, that's should world. We don't live in should world. We can try to. Maybe this is a good time to review how you handled the Trump situation. These aren't the first, you know, classified document scandal either, by the way. You can go back many different presidents. Don't even get me started on the Clinton administration. This is going to happen again in the future. We should pay attention to it, and we should just be able to call it as we see it when it happens without the whataboutism. Yes, there's differences. Things that are different are not the same, but there's still both things that need to be dealt with. And if you dealt with the last situation well, you should be able to deal with this situation fairly, and you'll deal with the next situation fairly. If you start just doing, well, the other guy's worse, so it's okay, my guy did it. The last situation looks different than this situation. It's going to screw your perception on the next situation. And then you're truly lost at sea without any mooring. So let's keep our bearings, folks. Yes, it's wrong. Yes, Biden needs to clean it up. Yes, he needs to answer for it. Yes, I would like to know why it happened before the election and nobody found out about it. That's a neat little trick. But let's not lose our bearing over it either. President Trump needs to be accountable. President Biden needs to be accountable. If President Obama finds out that he did something he shouldn't have done, he should be accountable. President Bush, President Carter, whoever else, whoever's going to be president next, we should have a line of consistency on how we deal with these things. No time like the present to start. More Herd Teller after this. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Okay, he's one of our favorites, somebody I highly respect and talk to because I value his opinion greatly, even when he's wrong. <laughs> Dennis Saunders is back on the program, Ordinary Times contributor, writer, also a pastor up in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, the Twin Cities. You can tell that from the vest and the heavy shirt he's wearing because I hear it's a mite cold up there this time of year, my friend. Yeah, it is cold, and we are just about a week ago got about 15 inches here in the Twin Cities, so... Got a lot of snow, so it's uh, break out the vest. <laughs> break out the vest. He's got a lot of different things going. You have heard the advertisement. Uh, his Church of Maine podcast doing excellently well. You've heard the commercials right here on Hertel. We're proud to support that. Make sure you check that out. But you've also been doing some political writing, my friend. Um, this is not a new theme for you in the couple of years I've known you. The GOP. Here's why I wanted to address this, because you've been talking for a while about institutionally what the Republican Party is, isn't, what it's changed into, what it isn't. Here's where I bring this up. I think the speaker fight that we just watched, that, you know, what's one of our core values here? Things don't happen in a vacuum. They happen in a sequence. That speaker fight didn't happen in a vacuum. Freedom Caucus, that's been going on since, you know, for 2014, 2015, a little before some of the same players. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, that goes back even further. Uh, there's history there. This is a lot of the caucus that he already led. This is all, of course, in post-Trump GOP where everybody's trying to figure out what role he has. This is a party. When you talk about, and I'm going to link to a, some of your writing, both in Medium and other places about this, when you're talking about institutionally what the Republican Party is, do we know? Well, I think what it is is that it's not an institution, or at least it, it, it's not anymore. And I would argue it probably hasn't been for about a decade or so. It is, you know, an institution, especially a political party, is a, a party that can is a group of people that can kind of have some type of, of boundaries and rules and do things like raising money or um, trying to kind of work out between people who disagree and you know, the Republican Party doesn't do any of that. And so what we saw with, um, I mean, 15 rounds to get uh, Kevin McCarthy a speaker is that you don't really have a political party or, or, or you don't really have an institution. And in some ways, not even a political party. What you have are a lot of different people um, and um, lots of different personalities. And when you kind of have that, basically what you have is mob rule. You, you don't really have any type of order at all. 
Yeah, Dennis Saunders joining us. Let's go through some of this history because you and I are of the age that in our adult lifetimes we've watched. Let's let's go from Gingrich because that's when this thing kind of started really changing. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, the contract with America, the GOP gets its first House Majority Leader in a generation. Big doings, right? Well, I look. I remember this because this was you know right when I started <laughs> voting for the first time. Uh, we went through Livingston. We went through Gingrich. They both had to resign for uh, untoward things. We'll leave it at that. You kids can go Google those things in your own time. But luckily, the Republican Party was saved by Dennis Hassert. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who then, you know, did prison time for abusing children. <laughs> then we get to 2015. They depose Bonner with a motion to vacate the chair. That's why that was such a big deal. And Kevin McCarthy really, really wanted it, but he got kneecapped by a couple people, Walter Jones, rest in peace, and some other with a anonymous letter with some allegations. Again, I'm not going to go into it. Y'all go Google it, read your own history. So McCarthy didn't get the brass ring there. They went and offered uh, the store to somebody from up your neck of the woods mm-hmm. um, to come in and save the day. This is, look, this isn't something that just keeps happening. This is a pattern. The yep. House leaders in the GOP cannot keep control of this caucus. That's more than one factor. It's not just the Freedom Caucus. It's not just Trump. This has been going on for, you know, years now. Why? Yes. I think because little by little, I mean, both parties, little by little, have put more and more power in things like primaries. Um that basically get the most kind of reactionary or or radical people uh, to vote. And of course, they're going to vote in the most reactionary or radical people. Um, But it's happening asymmetrically, because I think the Democrats at least have some sense of control over their people. Um, You know, a lot has been said about the squad um, and being from the Twin Cities, I am represented by one of the the squad. Um, And um, they have um, caused a lot of headache, but I think especially uh, Pelosi was able to put some constraints on them and they weren't able to wreak as much havoc as um, could could have been expected. But I think there has been a lot more institutional rot in the GOP, um, less of a, um, there has been basically no controls anymore. So when you have someone like um, a um, Kevin McCarthy, he basically ends up powerless. He has to give as many concessions as possible um, in order to get people to vote for him, or even even just to vote present. Um, and so in the end, he does not have any sense of power. And But that has been something that has been going on for years because um, the institution in, in many ways has been just whittled away. There isn't anything anymore that keeps people in line. Um, now, in the Senate, there is still some of that. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell still has some control over um, his his people. Um, and you can see that things get done in the Senate um, among his, his caucus that I'm pretty sure is not going to happen um, with McCarthy. And, you know, we can't even really say how long McCarthy is going to remain in power because, um, he could easily uh, be deposed a month from now or, or, or even a week from now. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. 
From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church in Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. Dennis Saunders joining us. This is part of institutional political party too, though. Mm-hmm. The rules package. I know people don't want to exactly. talk about it. The motion to vacate the chair has been something that's been talked to. We just talked about it. You know, this is how John Boehner was doing things and people didn't like how John Boehner was doing things. So they, this is how they got rid of him. This is part of the institutional stuff. And this is why I understand the argument people are making about is, well, they're hashing this out. Well, here's a couple problems with that argument. Kevin McCarthy was the minority leader of mostly the same group of people with a couple of exceptions of who just came in with this election. But ideologically, those aren't very different. He even made a joke about it to Hakeem Jeffries and everybody laughed. He said, look, I had 100 percent of this caucus two years ago. See what happened. Well, yeah, we saw what happened. You're the same guy with the same people. You didn't really have control of them. You didn't really have leadership of them. Forget the politics. I'm just talking basic leadership. This is the same group of people. He it wasn't just that he's had years to work on this he's been working on this for years and he couldn't get it done with this group of people that's part of what we're talking about the levers of power actually welding power you mentioned it with the folks on the left in the democratic party the conservative and right-leaning folks will all go well of course they're more ideologically aligned i'm not sure that's really true i think they just have a better handle on things and yes there's some more ideological alignment but part of that's because y'all haven't kept your folks in line and you don't have the leadership to keep them in line. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I would actually go and say there probably are people that want to keep people in line, but I don't think that they have necessarily the power or the structure to do so anymore. Um, One of the things that I has, has always bothered me when people are commenting about Republicans, especially Republicans in the house, when it comes, especially during the Trump years, is that, well, you know, why didn't they stand up to Trump? Well, the fact is, there were a lot of representatives that did stand up to Trump. Um, Mark Sanford did. So did Peter Meyer. Um, so did Jamie Herrera Butler. Of course, all of those people are no longer in Congress. And the problem is, is that those people, they do stand up but they get primary because these people, they will find someone that will run against them. And because of course there is no no structure, there's nothing there to protect those members in a way that let's say if a Democrat were somewhat critical would be somewhat protected from their leadership. The leadership in the GOP that just doesn't have that power. And so, not only do they have the power there to protect people, but they don't have a power of reining people in. Um, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene lost her committee, committee, committee assignments in the Democratic um, Congress. That's not going to happen now. Um, one, because McCarthy needs her, but two, she's quite powerful. I mean, 
and not powerful from an institutional standpoint, but powerful from a personal standpoint, because she has a following and people will go after him. Um, and so that type of loss of structure means you can't control anyone and you also can't speak up for uh, when something is going wrong because there's just nothing there. All it is is pure personality. Yeah, Dennis Saunders joining us. Let's talk about that for a second when it comes to the Republican Party. And the Democrats have this too. So y'all want to say, well, what I understand that. We're just not talking about them right now. We can talk about them some other time. Mm -hmm. Congress, you always have a couple cranks because there's always these little pockets of the country where you just get a wackadoo that's in Congress for 40 years. It's always been that way. You can go back to the first Congress. You can go back to the 1800s, the 1900s, whatever. You know, this, There's always been these folks on here. The problem now is with nationalization. Now, when you get a Matt Gates or you get a Lauren Bobbert, they're fundraising off whatever's going on on camera mm -hmm. in real time. You know, Matt Gates should not be able to hold up a speaker vote by himself. But that no. just happened because it's changed. What you just taught Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, is a little smarter than the rest of them. She buddied up to McCarthy because she wants those committee assignments back. Mm -hmm. Let's all be adults about that. But she switched sides because she's like, oh, I can go to them and I can get power back. I'm going to get power that way. People like Gates and Bobbert, they don't care. They just want power through the attention. But they get power through the attention. And that's the change I don't think we've really dealt with. So to be fair, and I'm I'm all for bashing McCarthy because he, you know, he 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 authored this play himself. However, I think that part of it's just beyond his control. It's changed. And the GOP has been so driven in the Trump era by this stuff. I don't know that you can have any institutional control over that. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I, I don't think you can have any institutional control right now. And I don't even know if, if you are ever going to have institutional control. One of the things I think that that kind of going back to Donald Trump is that, I you know, I think Trump is not a smart person, but he is a cagey person. He has that kind of animal instinct. And one of the things I think he sensed early on was that the GOP didn't really have a structure and that he could just come in and take it over. And that is exactly what he did. And so, and also now you have a whole bunch of kind of little Trumps that are coming in doing the same thing. They know that there is no structure. They know that they won't be punished for um, acting like a jackass uh, on, in on national television. They will be actually probably be rewarded. So as long as there's not anything there, they can do what they want. And the thing about institutions, I think that they are pretty easy to knock down. And I think this is within the GOP has been the, the structure has, has been knocked down over years, but it takes a heck of a long time to rebuild ins institutional structure. And so I don't see us rebuilding a structure within the GOP within the next five years or so. I mean, you can start, but it's going to take a long time. And in the meantime, you're going to have lead, you're going to have people like Lauren Bolbert and Matt Gates just kind of taking a wrecking ball to the American political system. Yeah, Dennis Saunders joining it. Look, the easy thing to go is just sit back and go, not my circus, not my monkeys. I'm not cleaning this mess up. Look, you can chisel unaffiliated voter <laughs> on my voter card. It's not changing anytime soon. It's been that way for a while. Mm -hmm. So it would be easy for me to just say that. However, it is unhealthy for the country, for the GOP to be in this state, regardless of what your political persuasion is. I don't think they have a bit of appetite for any kind of in institutional control. To be fair, I don't think they could do it if they wanted to with the current wow. leadership, even if they had an appetite to do it. It's going to take some outside leader, not outside as in not Republican, but outside of not this current group, to come in, take control of the whole thing and redo it. This is always going to be personality based from now on, or at least in the near future. So if you got a strong leader, you'll have a strong party. When you don't have a strong leader, you won't have a strong party. That looks like a cycle that's going to continue for a while. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think it's going to take at least 10 or 15 years to, to get in a new crop of people that are going to be able to build something.
uh, again, because it just takes a long time to rebuild all of these things. You have to, one, I don't know if we even have the institutional memory, and then two, you have to kind of um, grow new leaders that can actually kind of come up with different ways and also have something that can kind of depose the current system, um, if you can call it a system. But um, yeah, we're, I think we're just going to have to kind of deal with the political system as it is right now, which is a mess, and it's going to be a mess. Um, again, because in some ways, I think the GOP hasn't spent the time trying to preserve parts of the, the system um, with very few examples, you know, the only uh, only example of someone that I think is trying to preserve some sort of a, of a sense of order in a system, again, is Mitch McConnell. But other than that, there is nothing left and you're just gonna have to rebuild and rebuilding anything takes time. And in the meantime, it's just gonna be sheer hell. Dennis Saunders joining us. Let's talk about Mitch real quick, though, because here's the thing. He, he he's smart. He knows what's going on. And despite what some folks on the on the MAGA right are telling you, he he's pretty effective in what he does. Uh, yes. There is nothing that Donald Trump accomplished that didn't go through Mitch McConnell. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That's just the facts. All those Supreme Court justices, all that. Mitch can read a calendar and he can read seats. He knows that if he can just hang in there for the next two years, all the heat's going to be on this GOP house. They're going to have a good look at getting the Senate back just because of the geography of it, because they got six or seven swing states and or red states that are going to be very, very gettable. He's sitting there looking like, I'm going to get one more run at this majority leader. I may even get a Republican president if I'm lucky about it. And the GOP house is going to be a circus and they're going to get all the heat and I can just ride under the radar for a while. That's pretty much the plan. Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, he he is not a dummy, and he knows how to play the long game. Um, I think the 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 thing about the current leadership or lack thereof is that they don't play the long game. They really only pay for the the current moment, um, and you know basically they're in the business of fundraising and get and getting clicks. Um, McConnell is in there for the long game, so he knows what he needs to do to um, stay in power, to maintain the power, to grow power. Um, and I think that that's going to be the thing that you're going to see come 24. Um, also because, uh, because I think that uh, Donald Trump's power is somewhat diminished. He, he's probably not going to be picking as many Senate candidates in two years. So, it's kind of all gravy for him. And all he has to do is kind of wait and see the house basically kind of immolate themselves. And um, he's there to pick up the pieces. Yeah. Dennis Saunders. I hate to project because we're always wrong when we project, but I'm just looking at the calendar here. We have the debt limit coming up in August. We already know that that's a non-starter for the same people that just, you know, McCarthy just had to give the house away. We're going to have some kind of a budget and or continuing resolution in October right after that. McCarthy doesn't get out of this year intact, does he? I don't even know if he gets out of this year as speaker. I mean, I just don't. I think they're going to find some way of, of, of excuse of trying to get rid of him. And so I just don't see that he's going to last there very long. I think, you know, it was a victory for him on Friday, but I think it's going to be a Pyrrhic victory. And I think those same people are going to find some way of um, getting him out and stabbing him in the back. Yeah, probably. Dennis Saunders. I'll leave it at this with you, though, because I'll ask you, because, again, it's easy for me to just sit back and lob bombs at it. But to be fair, 
what's the hope if you're a Republican Party person who wants the party to be okay and to have less chaos? Because you're going to have some chaos here. Is it a presidential candidate that comes in and reigns all this in? Is it the next ideological guy? Is it some kind of change? Is it, well, maybe this GOP house is so chaotic, maybe we start changing course? Or do you have no hope? Where are you at on all this? Um, I'm kind of all over the place. I think there is some hope in at the state level. Um, you know, we saw what happened in Georgia um, in November that it was kind of the, the non- Trumpy candidates that were the ones that won. Um, and that happened in other states as well. I think, you know, seeing people like, even though they are, they have now are leaving office, but Larry Hogan and Charlie Baker, that's somewhat hopeful. But I think one of the things that is um, both hopeful and frustrating is that I think the people that I would like to have seen really kind of help to. Um, maybe at least start with the rebuilding um, are people kind of kind of like me that would, would have been never Trump folk. Um, and I feel like that was a lost opportunity that we haven't really done that, um, that we spent more time just kind of lobbying bombs instead of um, basically saying, okay, we need to kind of build something, even if it's an exile, so that when the time comes, we're ready. Um, and that hasn't been done. I think that for whatever reason, maybe it's just anger at, at what has happened over the last few years, but we haven't spent that time really trying to build the structure, trying to find candidates um, that can be a better alternative. Um, and so that's kind of a, a lost hope there. So I think that the, you know, the, the picture for me is mixed. I think there are still some there's still some hope at the state level um, that can, I think, make some kind of maintain kind of, or at least present a different alternative um, than what's happening in Washington. But at least at the national level, I won't say that there is no hope, but I think it's one of those things where you just have to be patient and it's gonna be a long time and it's gonna be ugly and it's gonna be frustrating. Yeah, well, you don't have a long time because we got a presidential election cycle underway right now. So good luck to that. We'll see how Yay. that all shakes out. <laughs> Dennis Saunders, one of our good friends, talking a little GOP this time. Uh, we'll spend a little time bashing the other side next time, just for equal time. But it's good to talk about this instead of some of the other stuff we've had to talk about before, my friend. Let folks know where they can follow you. They can hear your advertisement for your podcast, but you got three or four different things going on that really touch on some good stuff. I think somebody needs to touch on. And I like hearing your opinion on let folks know where they can find you, follow you and what you got going on until we get you back on her tell again. Sure. Well, you can uh, look at my Substack that uh, has the my podcast and also um, my, um, some articles that I write on religious issues. And that is at church and main all one word dot Substack. Uh, dot com. Um, you can also um, go to um, my the website. It's kind of a direct website for the um, for the podcast at churchandmain.org. And then also, um, if you want to read some of the articles that I write, especially on um, political issues, um, that is at Dennis Sanders, all one word, dot medium, dot com. And you can find me on um, um, on Twitter at Denmin. Yep, that's men with two ends, like Minnesota. For those of you from Logan, uh, it's all good <laughs> stuff. I get look. I like talking religion with you. I like talking pop culture with you. Stuff. Just always appreciate your opinion a great deal, my friend. I find you to be a unique voice, but somebody I respect and listen to on a lot of things. So well, always appreciate you so your time. Hope people find your stuff and uh, love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. All right. Take care. All right, sir. Talk soon.
Might have heard tell him, Andrew Donaldson. How about the best of best news for the good news to end our program, which we like to do when we have time? Uh, DeMar Hamlin, the P- Buffalo Bills safety, who was uh, injured in the Monday night football game a week ago, has been discharged from the hospital in Buffalo. Now he's still going to have a lot of medical stuff to do. I'm sure he's going to have rehab and things like that, but he is home. Let's go to WIBB. That's TV4 up in Buffalo. Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin has been discharged from Buffalo General Medical Center, Gates Vascular Institute, and is headed home, the team announced on Wednesday. Hamlin went through a comprehensive medical evaluation as well as a series of cardiac, neurological, and vascular testing on Tuesday, Kalita Hospital officials said. Hamlin's discharge comes just nine days after he suffered an on-field cardiac arrest in the Cincinnati um, Buffalo Bills game in Cincinnati. We have completed, this is a quote, a series of tests and evaluation, And in consultation with the team physicians, we are confident that DeMar can safely be discharged to continue his rehabilitation at home with the Bills, said Dr. Jamie Nadler, the chief quality officer at Kalita Hospital Health and Critical Care Physician. Quote, we are grateful first and foremost that he's home with his parents and his brother, which is great, said Bills coach Sean McDermott. We'll leave it up to him when he wants to visit with the team. His health is first and foremost in our minds as far as the situation goes. And then when he feels ready, we'll welcome him back. Hamlin returned to Buffalo on Monday after being treated at UC Medical Center in Cincinnati for a week where doctors said he was making strong progress. Quote, there is no reason to believe he won't continue his path to recovery, one UC medical doctor said, but added it's entirely premature to determine about when he'll be able to play football again. Doctors at UC Medical also said that the Bills running back Nyman Hines ran back the opening kickoff in the Bills' 35-23 win against the New England Patriots. Hamlin was jumping around and yelling, which set off every alarm in the ICU in the process, but a happy one. Kalita health officials say they do not plan to do any more press conferences, media availability, or further announcements moving forward out of respect for Hamlin and his family. Outstanding news. Um, One other note on this. When we covered this with our friend Brandon Phoenix, we made sure to touch on the CPR and AED aspect of this. This is simple things that everybody should learn how to do, how to do CPR, how to operate an AED. AEDs are in a lot of public spaces now. And if you own a business or are in a religious group or civic organization or a school, anywhere people congregate, you talk to people around you, go ahead and get an AED machine for that facility. You never know when you might need it. Nevertheless, um, one of the really rewarding things of doing this show is feedback. I cannot tell you, we got multiple messages from people who said because of this incident and because we were talking about it on the show, and Brandon is actually a respiratory therapist, so he's an expert on things like CPR and airways and things like that. They heard it. They saw this incident on TV and moved them. Got a lot of messages that folks are going to go take a CPR class. A lot of times they're free. Check in with things like uh, rec centers, universities, schools. They're out there. Go take one. Get certified so you know what to do when an emergency arises. But it is so rewarding. That when we talk about something really meaningful like this to get feedback, that people are going to be prepared in the event that they ever get called upon to do it themselves. So thank you all very much for that. Uh, we, If we don't look out for each other and take care of each other and be prepared for crisis, a lot of this other po- culture and politics stuff we talk about don't matter. Let's make sure we're taking care of each other. So thank you all for sharing that. Made our days. I know Brandon would appreciate it as well. If you missed that episode, you can find it on the Good Talks list. So that'll do it for Herd Tell for today. Hope you and yours are well. We need you to do us a favor though. Make sure you're subscribing on all the podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google. We even got one in India, uh, all kinds of different platforms. If it's a podcasting platform, we're on there. Heard Tell Show, just search it or my name, Andrew Donaldson, either one, bring it right up. Make sure you're subscribed. That's important for us to keep track of y'all and how you're watching the program so we can make sure we get it to you. Also, the YouTube channel has that Good Talks playlist. It's just the interview segments, has the full shows every day, also has some breakout things when people request it. We'll break out something that we cover. Also has the long-form podcast. There's over 46 of those specific to certain topics. We bring somebody in, talk about a little bit more long-form. Those are all on there. It's a great resource. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. All of it is free. Only costs you a click. Doesn't cost you anything but a little bit of your time. And we greatly appreciate it. Do us one more favor. Share us on your social media. We don't advertise outside of our own social media accounts. And we know that the growth of this program is because of you. Thank you very much. Keep doing that. If you can share it, all those platforms have share links. If you put that on your social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, we would sure appreciate it. Thank you very much. So till we talk to you again on Herd Tell, wherever you and yours are, across the street or around the world, we hope you are well. 
We hope you are well fed. We'll talk to you again real soon for more Herd Tell. All the music on Herd Tell is provided under a creative content license from MonsterCat.com. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. Folks, you've heard of Ethan Brown on the Hurt Tell Show a couple of different times, but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom, head over to his podcast, The Sweaty Penguin. Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about. Feel overwhelmed, exhausted, or excluded by today's climate change discourse? This is the podcast for you. Find The Sweaty Penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com.